welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a vocalist from New Mexico, Tawanda Chisprisk Jacqueline. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, we have someone who I'm not going to attempt her name. She's going to say it because I'm <laughs> going to butcher it for the, everyone who knows me. Ma'am, please introduce yourself to the people. <laughs> yes. Hello, everyone. I am Tawanda Susprich Joachim, and it's a pleasure to be here today. <laughs> nice. It's a nice yeah. name. It does flow nice. It flows yes. once you get the hang of it. <laughs> It's hard as a vocalist to be saying that name, though, does it? Oh, on stage, yeah, no. We 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 shortened it down to Tawanda. I think that's a lot sweeter. It's a lot easier okay. in the in the mouths who don't have experience with those kinds of languages. Well, as first of all, as everyone might have known, Tawanda caught my attention when she placed first or tied first in the Saravan International Jazz Competition last month. Congratulations to that, ma'am. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And this, how long have you been in the jazz world in general? It, it, it's it been, uh, to be honest, I'm still quite green. I would say that I, I don't, I'm still gaining experience. I really only started to sing or attempt to sing uh, vocal jazz in college. And I graduated around 2017. So it's been... A couple of years, but I feel like I'm just really starting to get experience performing jazz, which is really exciting. Um, last year was supposed to be like my year. I, I moved to L.A. in 2019 and I was kind of still like uh, sussing out the situation, seeing where the jazz clubs were, trying to make connections. And then last year I was like, all right, I think we're ready to go, getting my songs together, meeting new people. Um, and then, of course, COVID hit and 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 threw a wrench in everybody's operations. So, um, so yeah, then I was just we were all home for a long, long time, and um, and then I finally had my first show last July, uh, and then and 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 this month I have four shows, and and the Saravon Vocal Jazz Competition has really helped with exposure. So. Things are finally starting to ramp up in a really nice way. So um, recording experience, I have more than performance experience, but I think by the end of this this year, it's going to change drastically. And I have an album coming out as well. So That's hey, a lot to unpack right away. So we're going to go into I know. that. Okay. So yeah. where did you study? <laughs> um, I studied at Santa Fe University of Art and Design in Santa Fe, New Mexico, I'm a New Mexico native, so I was born in Las Cruces, which is more south, and Santa Fe is in the north. Okay. And that's when you got into jazz. What got you into jazz specifically? Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. I was, um, I was kind of not sure what I wanted, what kind of vocals I wanted to study. I came from a background of more like classical and show tune and then uh, the pop of my my our, our pop music's generation and then um I was singing my own music which was kind of like like a little folky a little indie uh with some like really nice 
like a soulful R&B vocals. So I was like, uh, yeah, I'm interested in kind of like deepening my sound in a way. And then I was um, put into contact with Mirabai Daniels, who is an incredible vocalist. She's also um, Eddie Daniels' partner, and he's like a world-renowned saxophone player and flautist. And so she was teaching vocal jazz there at the school. And um, and we started our lessons together my freshman year. And uh, it was really about getting me out of this box. When you're raised singing more like classical music, um, it's very boxed. It's like, this is the box and you have to kind of like sing, you know, what's written on the page and there's not a lot of room for interpretation or freedom or um, or any sort of, yeah, other vocalizations than what's written. It's very kind of straight ahead. So when I got to college, I was like, all right, I'm going to read what's on the page. And then Mirabai was like, no, 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 no. Like, this is the point. Like, you got to play with it play with it. What do you feel like singing? How how do you want to tell this story differently? So it was like learning the song as it's written and then from there taking the freedom to interpret it in a different way and learning to tell stories that way. And so that was really like the, the very first thing that made me fall in love with jazz is, is the ability to improvise and um, and play in the space. But you, your ear has to be very finely tuned you know, like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very, um, it's a precious creative process that jazz is. It's, it's like you learn the landscape and then you're able to play in the landscape. And that's what I love and appreciate about jazz music. So yeah, that's how it started. Okay. <laughs> Next thing is yeah. out of all that stuff you said before, you said that you this last June was your first Jazz performance, you talk about you as a headliner? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Understood. Right. Yeah. And yeah. what have you done? Because you said you've recorded more than you actually performed. Who else? I have, yeah. Yeah. So I was, um, so the person who's my jazz mentor um, and my producer right now, his name is George Claben. He's the founder of Resonance Records. That's a small record label here in in LA. And he, he, I was put into contact with him through Mirabai. Um, and he, he was like, okay, like, show me what you got. Come, come to the studio. I have some songs. I have some tracks. Let's see, let's see what we can do here. So I basically like learned some songs that he had tracks to, and I would go into the studio and sing them. And, and then we would work on these pieces together and he would really help me phrase differently, uh, think about phrasing differently thinking about um, how to tell the story in a different way. And so I was in the studio way before I was, I was doing shows actually. And then um, we have already started recording my first debut, my first jazz debut album last year as well. And last year I only had two shows. So, but I was recording like once a month or so every, every few, every few, um, yeah, every few weeks recording something new, whether it just be like a practice track or whether we were actually in the studio with the band. So yeah, I've had a lot more experience in the recording studio, which we all know is a completely different world, a completely different, different process than than the live experience. Well, so yeah. Interesting about your record label because 
from what I know about them, they like do remastering and re-releases because I have mm-hmm, their Stan yeah. Gas collection. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, no, no, it's it's amazing. He's so good about like finding old recordings and bringing them back to life. Really love that. I have a love-hate relationship with that, as people know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, you can have a love-hate relationship with anything. It's I think it, it suppresses it new acts when you do that or you make known of doing that. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm. So in the L.A. scene, have you been getting any other gigs? Non-jazz um, gigs? We're working on it. I have a, I have a manager. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just signed a contract. So we're working on, I, and I expressed to him that I'm, I'm interested in being like a, a multi-genre artist, but I think jazz is definitely my foundation. And I, I, I want to take the next few years to really honor that. So, um, yeah, nothing, nothing as of yet. I, I feel very much like jazz is my expression right now. And I really want to hone that and, and craft that in a way that's, that's beautiful and wonderful and professional before I propel into other, other things. So from the recording world, to the actual live performance world. Especially yes. you, since you're not, it's normally not that case where they actually record first and then right. get to perform. What actually shocked you the most or hit you? Um, I, I prefer live. I really do. Uh, I think the recording situation is, is like, you can, you can find yourself like going in circles, like, oh my gosh, was that my best performance? Should I do it again? But this is going to be, played forever and ever so it has to be right and but and the live performance is very much like we did it it's done it's there um maybe someone has a recording of it maybe maybe someone doesn't but it's very much just like it's in the moment it's present and i love that about the live experience the recording experience is is also great um because then you kind of have to like figure out what it takes to to make a good take or you learn a little bit more about your own creative process and then you work with other people as well. And what sounds good to you might not sound good to another person. And then you can kind of get into it in that way. So it's a lot more practical and clinical. Um, the live experience is just like an expression, like a warm expression that everyone's partaking in. So they're just very different. <laughs> okay. Oh, and also I forget since you said that you grew up in New Mexico. How is New Mexico versus LA in terms of jazz? Because that's probably one of the states I don't associate jazz with. (laughs) I'm so glad you asked that. That's, that's so great. I'm so glad you asked. I love talking about Las Cruces, New Mexico. Um, I love talking about New Mexico. It's such a, it's such a special holy land. It is very, very, very different than LA. Um, It's like, space it's it's space it's silence you can you can see the sky you can see the earth you can see the ground you can you can it's fresh air it's like no distraction I feel like LA is very much this place of all of the distraction it's like um it's like, and everybody here is on their own kind of energy. Everyone's trying to figure out who they are, what they're doing. Everyone's trying to make money. And so it's very much this like rat race. Um, and it can, it can be this way. It can be very like, oh, this is what I do. 
this is what I align with. What do you do? What do you align with? And then how can we help each other? Or how can I use this person to get to where I want to go? And it's like, um, that's just something I wasn't raised with. And I'm very fortunate actually to have been raised in a more grounded way of like, we're just, we're just working on surviving in this landscape. And it's, it's, it's a very precious, slow, slow, you know, town where, where there's stillness. Cultivating stillness, I think, in my life has been very, very important, especially last year when everything feel, felt so anxious. Um, I was like, I want, I want to be still. I just want stillness. So that's what home represents to me. It's just a place where I can be myself and where everything is still and quiet. Um, and it very much is that way with jazz too. There's not a lot of jazz there. Um, but at the same time, I was introduced to jazz there. So there is definitely, you know, you have a really big pocket of musicians who actually have moved, have done the whole, you know, journey from LA to New York or vice versa, and then landed actually in places like New Mexico, where they just have some quiet, some peace and quiet. I think the city can be a lot. It can wear on you after a long time, but but yeah, I, I I did, you know, I was introduced to jazz there. And then there's only so much you can do. You can play, you know, the same gigs with the same cats. That's what I was about over to go into again. next. So yeah, yeah, how many yeah. places or are there can, to perform, really? Right. Uh, in Las Cruces, I would say that there's, there are a few places, but not every venue is a jazz venue. I, I know they have like a, a jazz collective. I never got into that um, when I was living there because... I moved to California right after I graduated. So, um, but in Santa Fe, they have a really wonderful uh, restaurant there. It's like a tapas grill and bar and they do wonderful jazz music there. I'm, I'm blanking on the name. I only did one one show there, but but yeah, they have amazing artists living in Santa Fe and they're all kind of like the older crowd. There isn't like a, a really good space for for young, young voices, young musicians. So everyone's been moving here to LA or, or to Austin or, or to New York. Um, but yeah, I, I, I plan on going back and like, and, and seeing if we can like grow that community a little bit more. I would love that. Wait, grow jazz in New Mexico? Yeah. Okay, that's a reach. Stop. <laughs> Plant the seeds. <laughs> I mean, the jazz scene in New York has its own problems. I highly doubt you could build... Well, actually, I take that back. Because even if you go from two to four, that's a 100% increase. Uh, th- thank you. See, there you go. You're right. I'm being negative. <laughs> <laughs> it's not non-existent. It's there. But also the appreciation for jazz isn't as... It's not as high as it is here. So what's the main form of music there? On the radio? Um, oh... Yeah, I mean, we have a very strong, um, like, Mexican and Hispanic influence as well. So you hear a lot of pop music, a lot of um, music that has influences from Mexico, and you hear a lot of uh, a lot of things with beats and a lot of there's some classical music. I mean, we some the radio play everything stuff. Some of that, yeah. Okay. I mean, but you you hear anything everywhere. It just depends on where you look. And I don't think a lot of people are looking for jazz in New Mexico. But we cherish the ones that do. All four of them. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, fun. 
Okay, so what have you noticed about the music scene just in general since you moved to LA? Was it everything that you expected? Was it worse? Was it? I think it's a lot better. I think it's a lot better. I'm always shocked and surprised to see. Um, well, yeah, I guess you get you kind of get both sides because when I first moved here, I was I fell so in love with the the spaces that uh, that mainly black people actually came together and curated and they would open up these spaces and they would create these open mics, open mic situations, or just have events in general that felt really like, really about the community, about the collective where anyone could come and share their gifts. And I was not expecting it to be so, so much about, um, about that, about like really coming together and sharing each other's gifts. I thought, I thought, um, and this is really like, this is at like the roots level in the community. This isn't like big, big, big stuff. And I'm about to talk about the big, big stuff and how that differs in just a second. But I think at the grassroots level, it's very much about like creating a space where people can come together and share their gifts. And I love that because I was expecting it to be very much like, uh, this is my space. You stay over there. This is what I do. Um, and if you're good enough, maybe we'll let you. But it's it wasn't that way at all. But I have also seen the other side of it. Like um, I was on American Idol in like 2017. I was very, very young. It, mm-hmm. it, it didn't go well. I, I didn't have a great time. Um, I was very, very nervous. And it just was so competition-based. And I, I didn't like that uh, atmosphere of the industry that was very much like, you know, you have 500 talented kids from all over the United States crammed together in this hotel and then it really is like a, it's like this, uh, like the, the, it's like reality TV. It's like you pit people against each other. You want to hear people's sob stories. You, you, uh, you have to like redo and retape the things that happen just to make them more appealing to the audience and create more drama. And that just felt so fake to me. It just felt so false. And so I know that there is another version of um of the industry out there i'm very fortunate to not be a part of that and not want to be a part of that and that's also partly why you wouldn't be a pop singer no i don't think so i i I wanted to be i think when i was very young i was like i want to be a star and and pop music is the way to go but now i'm like i want to be myself and i know for a fact i mean it already started on the show they were like you're just too mature. Like, shorten your dress. Sing higher things. Uh, why don't you sing a Taylor Swift song? And I was like, I could never. They said that to I you? could never. Yeah, oh yeah. I was like, I, I could never do this. So I mean, The season's done. What else did they say? That's actually really interesting. I did- <laughs> Is it done? Huh? You said you Is went it- out in 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that season is over. Yeah, so what it's else? It's over. They- yeah. yeah. I know, I know. Um, and that was supposed to be their last year as American Idol, but then they kept going, kept going. So I, I, I just want no place in that, in that industry, in that part of the industry. I really don't. Hey, you never know, man. You might be one of the lucky people that are actually able to cross over. Yeah. I mean, but if I crossed over, it would really much like my integrity is very important. I wouldn't want somebody being like, we got to change all of this about you. And 
I, I that's not how I would want to op- operate. I really want to just be myself. Well, I could honestly say the R&B singers I know from the 90s and the 2000s, the ones I know personally, mm-hmm. they just changed the outfit. Everything else was like, was, and so if you saw them being a head case, trust me, they're head case in real life. Okay. Yeah, okay. so. Good to know. Good to know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, that's actually something I didn't know and I wasn't expecting that. Okay. Yeah. So, first of all, actually, let me go into something else on that. So, where do you think jazz would be in 10 years? Especially as you know somebody being in, from the pop world, being in those competitions where they try to get pop stars and we don't have anything solid like that for jazz. Mm-hmm. Where do you think it would be? I think... There, it's definitely going to be like, as it is now, like fused, fused into other genres. That's what I'm hearing a lot of. It's like, you can listen to um, a lot of really amazing, like, like here, for example, like Flying Lotus, uh, for example, had his foundation is jazz, but he's since fused his jazz knowledge into multi-genre, like, there's some electronic aspects there, um, but it's still like at its core, it's jazz. So I, I I hear that. I hear that for jazz music. I think that's really exciting um, because it's so wonderful and refreshing to hear like a song that's definitely more contemporary and more modern, but it's deeply, deeply influenced by, um, by jazz and it's got the jazz chords in there. It's like reharmonized in a way that's really like funky and different and, um, yeah, I feel like that is that is the future of jazz. But I also think, and I would love to see, um, I mean, it's been really fun, like, having shows here and there and having, uh, having my friends and my family come out that don't normally listen to jazz. And they come to these these venues and these shows and they're like, wow, like, I would never be here if it wouldn't, if it weren't for you. I would have never come out and listened to jazz if it weren't for you. So... I feel like we can expect a little bit of that too. Like as, as, um, as the do you younger think that's a problem, jazz though? musicians. Do I think it's a problem? Yeah, I personally do. I'm not saying that oh. they didn't come to support you. I just think like it's not yeah. even on their watch list. Uh, what 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 do you think is a problem exactly about that? If I give the average adult from 18 to 40. And say, where or what would you like to watch this weekend if I give you free concert tickets? Out of 100, I'd be surprised if four of them said jazz. Mm -hmm. Even if the biggest names were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, at that point, I... I don't have a problem with that. I... I, Because I feel like the people who want to be there will be there. Um, If you don't want to go, you don't have to go. And that's also fine. There's no room for judgment in that way. I feel like it's uh, jazz is a very special, highly cherished, highly honored genre. And it's not for everybody. And that's okay. I feel like, um, and it doesn't have to be. I, I don't think that jazz should be like, jazz is on a different level than things like pop music are. And it's it's just... It, 
it doesn't need to be where pop music is. I, I think maybe people who have been in jazz for a long time maybe have different ideas, but I think it's like it's special where it's at. I think that it's it's almost special that you have to like find these small venues to find this music or or maybe it's like things like that are harder to find or that like people are barely getting exposed to things now when this music has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Like I feel like um, it's just, it's okay. It's okay. But I understand everyone has completely different ways of the way that they think about it. Okay. So have you been invited to perform on any jazz, non-jazz albums? Uh, not yet, but before I signed this contract, I was wanting to make a non-jazz album myself. So we'll see how, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm like full throttle into this jazz album. And then after that, I would love to also produce something different. It's not going to be pop music. It's, it's going to be multi-genre. I can't really explain it, (laughs) but yeah. Okay, so what would your dream project be? If you had no money restrictions, all the barriers were lifted, you could have whoever yeah. you want to perform on it, what would it be? Oh, Matt. Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, I don't know about features. I don't know about features. I'd have to think about that. Um, but I would love to work with, like, I'd love to work with Indigenous artists. I would love to work with, I'd love to have an album that that's spotlighted, um, Black people and in in pre and post production. I I have been doing this really interesting thing. I've been taking some really great trips, um, and I've been starting to like create a sound bank. So I'll basically just like have my phone and be recording interesting sounds as I'm away. Like whether it's the waterfalls or the bird that's specific to this region that only comes out at night and it has this beautiful song or like the waves or whatever. So I'm just like collecting these sounds and I would love to integrate them into an album that's really just like, um, that just like brings people peace. (laughs) So that's something that I've been thinking about a lot, just like playing with, playing with sound um, and obviously having something that like lets my voice just shine through in a very like simple way. I'd love to have like very round watery sounds like maybe like some synth sounds and um and the person I'm dating right now is a drummer so I would love to collaborate with him and you know just like really like make it like a like a a village project with sounds from all over the world that's kind of my my dream okay does he play jazz by any chance uh no he does not what is he a rock drummer uh I think he did more like like punk pop rock uh, <laughs> earlier in his uh, career. <laughs> so, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> Blink 80, 182 and some 41 here. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No. Um, yeah, no, he's great. He's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And I have to ask you, yeah. what's your nationality? Oh, yes. Nationality. Yes. So I am a first generation American. My mom is from Germany and my dad is from Mozambique. Okay. And that's yeah. not affecting music at all? I think so. Yeah. I, um, I'm i not, 
like a purist. Uh, I feel like a lot of people I meet are jazz purists, uh, which is wonderful. Um, but I, I wasn't raised in a household with predominantly jazz. I wasn't raised in a household with predominantly anything. There was a really big world influence um, because, you know, it was just so multicultural. So we were listening to music from all over Africa. We listened to a lot of like uh, Puto Mayo presents uh, playlists where we just had access to music from all over the world. My mom was listening to a lot of classical music and some folk music. Uh, she was, she, she went around the United States when she was my age. So she had a lot of influences from around that time. Um, so a lot of like James Taylor and, um, and uh, Joan Baez and um, Carol, Carol King and, and my dad was more like, uh, I listened to a lot of Angelique Kijo. I listened to a lot of reggae, Lucky Dube, um, Bob Marley, of course, and, and Sam Mangwane and, and everyone who was playing in South Africa's House of Blues around the time that my parents were growing up. So yeah, I, I just have a, I, I love different sounds. I love sounds that, that aren't so uh, common. I love I love things like that. Um, so yeah, that's heavily influenced my my little ears. Okay. So before <laughs> we go, we normally like to give a shout out or show respects to the artists who came before us. Okay. So I'm going to name yeah. an instrument and two artists. Okay. Choose one and tell us why. Okay. On saxophone, Sony Rollins or Dexter Gordon? Ooh. I'm going to say Sonny Rollins. Um, I... I have listened to so much of his music in preparation for the competition um, and also just to inform my ear. I listened to his version of, um, he did this wonderful quartet, I think, for Sunny Side of the Street. And um, yeah, I just love the way that he he plays within the space. I, I can't really say the stark differences between Dexter Gordon and Sonny Rollins, but I just know that I, I gravitate more to Sonny Rollins's music and his performances. Okay. On trumpet, Chef Baker or Miles Davis? Oh. Oh. Ah, that's a hard one. That's a really hard one. I mean, ah, 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 ah. That's hard. Ah, that's a really hard question. I... I love them both in their own way. Um, I feel like <sighs> Chet Baker is a vocalist um, as well. So I would listen to him for how he phrased. Um, and that was really, really helpful for me. Um, Miles was rooted firmly in bebop. So, and that's also really informative for me as well. Um, so, you know, they both have really taught me a lot. <laughs> but I, I definitely think of Chet Baker as a more chill uh, musician. Um, and I think that Miles was very much like, like just really like playing, playing, playing in the space. Whereas um, Chet was really just like feeling into the simplicity of what a song was saying. And you have to have a fine balance of simplicity and, um, and kind of a more, a more 
huh, unabashed approach to expression. So they, they really balance each other out. It's a really hard question. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping for... Actually, never mind. So on piano, <laughs> Professor Longhair or the monk? The monk. Oh, that's quick. I, I don't think I even know who Professor Longhair is. You know what? Honesty. <laughs> I like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be real with you. I'm, I'm still, like I said, green. We're still listening. We're still getting in the know. <laughs> okay. On bass, Ray Brown or Dave Holland? I don't know who they are. I'm so sorry. Mm, okay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> On drums, Art Blakely or Max Roach? Oh, um, Blakey. I like Blakey a lot. (laughs) Okay, the way you said it was kind of funny. (laughs) On vocals, and you can't get out of this one. Oh, here we go. Ella Fitzgerald or Frank Sinatra? Ella, absolutely. Oh, without a question. Okay, now we'll do another one then. Billie Holiday. (laughs) Or Nat King Cole? So I love both of them. I recently watched the Billie Holiday biopic and I've done so much, uh, so much research on Billie Holiday that I feel like I know her story more. So I think I have to choose her because I, I just know her life a lot more than I do Nat King Cole. He's also, I mean, Precious, precious being, and such an important, such an important musician um, for his time, especially for for black men during that time. Like that, his life must have. I can't even imagine. Um, so I think I'd need a to make a more informed decision. I would have to do more research on on him. But for the time being, I would love. I, I would have to say Billie Holiday, absolutely. Okay, and what did you like about Ella Fitzgerald so much that you said it like uh, that? Yeah, well, I take issue with the Frank Sinatra's and like the Elvis Presley's of the music industry um, because I feel like, I mean, maybe this is politically charged. I don't really care if anybody says that, but it is a little bit. It's like taking up space in um, in a world that was really meant for for black people to express themselves. And I feel like uh, no, no, I have no, not like a a bad feeling about Frank Sinatra at all. I haven't even like, yeah. But I just feel like for my, also my personal education, again, all of these are personal. It depends on who you are. Go there, go in. I'm connected. I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly connected to Ella Fitzgerald because she, she paved the way for me. Uh, Frank Sinatra didn't, didn't do much for me. Uh, but Elvis did a lot for jazz. For okay, I got his data. He put a lot oh, no, of people no. on. A no, no, no. <laughs> oh, he did a lot for jazz. He didn't do much for me and for my education. Uh, Ella Fitzgerald did way more for me. She she paved the way for for me. People who look like me. People who do what I do. Um, her improvisation. Her emulating horns. That that is a gift that. Uh, yeah, I don't think Frank Sinatra did did for me. So, so yeah, um, he did a lot for jazz, didn't do a lot for me. Ella Fitzgerald has definitely done more for me in my career. Okay. All I could say is that 
Did you see her concert from 1963? Did I see it? Yes. Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. Maybe. I just saw it the other day on Quest oh, okay. TV. Yeah, they, I've just been watching, binge watching all the stuff on there. And that's oh, one wow. of the videos that actually caught my attention. So I was, if okay. you saw it, I would have talked to you about it. That's why. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I have not. <laughs> okay. So could you tell the people your social media, your website, how to contact you, etc.? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm on Instagram at Hakuna Tawanda. Um, it's like Hakuna Matata, but Hakuna Tawanda. Um, website is in the works. I will be announcing that soon. I have a link tree where you can find links to past performances, uh, shows coming up. Everything's going to be in SoCal for the next few months, I believe. But we're working on going back to New York, hopefully, Um and I have a Facebook page. Uh, best way to reach me is definitely through my Instagram. Um, yeah, don't be a stranger. Okay. Well, everyone, I want to say thank you for coming on. It means a lot, ma'am. Thank you so much. And everyone, since I already screwed up, this is Leanna from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good night. <laughs> That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.